Well, Music Industry City's Tuesday Talkies, where we discuss what's going on in the world of music business. I'm Peter Schwing, and joining me today are my fellow co-hosts, Sam Tall, Stephanie Carlin, the Duke, and, uh, and Ayesha has the week off. So if there's something you'd like to chime in about, let us hear your thoughts in the comments below. So today we're going to talk about exactly how valuable is music on YouTube, music classes are being removed from schools, distance learning programs, and how can we still feel the truth in music when we no longer can collectively feel it live. We have a lot to, to cover, so let's get to it. All right, Pex released a study entitled music became even more valuable on YouTube in 2019, in which they updated their 2018 analysis of YouTube to see how the platform changed in 2019 and looked at the future trends. From their 2018 study, they ascertained music generated the most views per video and was also responsible for the overwhelming majority of videos with 1 billion or more views. Gaming was increasing in total and share of total platform content while shares of all of the categories were declining. Unique user growth was signaling stagnating, but YouTubers were becoming more active, uploading more videos every year. Less than 1% of the YouTube videos generated more than 80% of total views on this platform. So it still seems that music is most valuable on the YouTube platform. And here with his thoughts on this is Sam Tall. Sam, how you doing? I'm good, Peter. How are you? Good, good. How's everything? You know, it's it's been really busy. And and this is this kind of ties us into the subject, but it's such an interesting time, especially with music and with digital media. And and part of the reason is because uh obviously we're continuing this thread of consumption on the internet. And invariably at some point advertisers have to figure out their new path forward new content has to come out no matter what so you know we can't keep the media sequestered forever um, and so what that means is the consumption that started in march and april it still exists but on top of a much more robust financial layer so we have this sort of split world we live in now where there's a lot of economic difficulty and uncertainty. Meanwhile, digital platforms like YouTube are booming. Like July was a particularly good month from from personal uh, experience and, and inside information. Uh, I can say that the past couple of months have been unexpectedly strong, um, which makes this news from PEX all the more fascinating. Um, as we see from some of the graphs that are in their article, but also the research that they do. And for those who aren't familiar, PEX is sort of a third-party independent content recognition system uh, with lots of amazing clients. And so as a result, they have access to a lot of really beautiful data. Uh, I love data and it's beautiful. Um, and they can pull reports like this because they have such a wide vantage that YouTube isn't necessarily willing or incentivized to provide for the marketplace. Um, they don't want to necessarily indicate that some content performs worse than others. They want everything to succeed on YouTube. Um, fact of the matter is, yes, gaming is like the largest in terms of content, um, but music is the largest in terms of popularity. And the interesting thing that stuck out to me, uh, and I'd like to know what you think, Peter, about this, is that music is the most recurring views per minute and I think that's a little bit of a wonky stat because music is shorter than the typical multi-hour gaming video uh, where you get one view for a couple of hours of content versus uh, one view for a couple of minutes. Um, 
I, I don't know what that lends in terms of what the actual value is. Peter, are you like deeply steeped in the gaming stuff? Yeah, the um, it's it's really interesting. And I also have this stat here I, I can pull up for you, and um, this way uh, it kind of shows a little bit more about what um, what they're talking about. And the gaming thing is really interesting because, uh, and like you said, music videos are typically uh, just like a few minutes, okay? They're under 10 minutes for most videos, where gaming is something that, you know, there's hours. I mean, go to Twitch, and the, to become a Twitch affiliate, you have to game, like, to even become like a, there's affiliate and partner and everything, you have to game like eight hours a, a week. And like some are saying yeah. to like game hours a day. So a lot of those people that have come over to the platform from there uh, and like, you know, they say Twitch and then go over to YouTube. So there's a lot that's been happening there in that sense. So um, there was the, they were talking about here for there's the, the, the combinations are like there's for the 10 to 100 million and the 100 million to 1 billion views tiers. Music leads the way in share of total videos with 30% and 57% respectively for the same tier. And here I have I have this quote that I can pull up now that's there. Um, Entertainment comes in second place with 17% respectively. Uh, for vid videos exceeding 1 billion views, music is responsible for a whopping 83% of videos, and entertainment manages only 1.5% of such videos, while gaming compromises just 0.5% of all the videos. Yeah. So, you know, it's the gaming is becoming on its way to becoming a majority of the platform's content in terms of just quantity. But, you know, music is becoming more valuable year over year in terms of its share of total views. Yeah. And, you know, I think that's it's it's interesting to think about how valuable music is to a platform like YouTube that historically underpays music. Right. And I don't think there's a whole lot of precedence for how uh, platforms should pay gamers for gaming, especially when their content relies on third party rights. Um, and so there's sort of a tacit. Uh, participation from the part of EA and 2K Games and Rockstar and everybody else who make some of the biggest blockbuster titles that get lots of the streaming activity. But, um, you know, there, there's no model for how gamers should be paid for their commentary. However, there is plenty of model for how artists should be paid for their creative work. And obviously, when, you know, the exclusion of music would be hugely damaging to the platform. They would be left with a lot of content that's worth nothing and, and uh, you know, lose a lot of their audience share to other platforms, especially now that Facebook is venturing into music videos. Um, it'll be really interesting to see how the market heats up in terms of the royalty conversation. I know, you know, people have been harping on YouTube about their value gap for a long time. And just from my personal vantage, especially with Studio 71 being a YouTube centric company, even though we do other music services, um, you know, that's a big part of what we focus on and we're nowhere close to abandoning that. Um, but I can understand if a, a more traditional record label or more traditional music company is, especially on the independent level, is so fed up with it that with YouTube, not to mention Spotify royalties that everybody loves to crow about, that um, it starts to become a bit more contentious relationship with the traditional business. Yeah, so I mean, there, there's a lot uh, really to take a look at, and I apologize about if there's a whole bunch of scene switching. Uh, I was switching the scene, and you know something, all of a sudden the computer just like was like hanging up, and it was like so all of a sudden it started switching scenes, and I know <laughs> some of those like, you know, it's it it's like you know modern technology and what we're doing. We're gonna have so, to call the Twitch hey, streamers. 
and and find yes. out their tips and tricks. Oh, yeah, exactly. So, uh, you know, a perfect, uh, perfect segue. I think we can go right into that now. Thanks, Sam. It's fantastic. So, um, you know, according to NBC in the Bay Area, a San Jose uh, music teacher is out of a job this fall, saying she was told by the school district that her role was cut because there isn't enough time for her class during a distance learning school day. Music is usually one of the first areas to be cut in the schools, and now with limited time and resources, entire programs are being shut down. How will this fare for the well-being and creativity of students? Here is this perspective on the matter is the Duke. What's up, Dave? How you doing? I am blessed, Peter. It's good to be here with you. Um, I, I, I saw this article, man, and like tears came to my eyes and my nine-year-old self, more tears came to my nine-year-old self because, man, I, I grew up in Brooklyn and I got in so much trouble as a kid, man. And um, music was just like the, it was the thing for me, man. And um, not even where I ended up in the world, but just like as like a kid, you know what I mean? Growing up in public school, they made us uh, take an instrument. And I took the saxophone in third grade and Man, that really kept me in school. I mean, I did drop out of uh, high school after ninth grade, so I'm not even gonna pretend that I didn't. But um, it kept me for the next six years from uh, third grade to ninth grade, so I gotta give it to music on that. And I just can't imagine being in a world where music is not valued. Um, I mean, financially, it's not valued how it used to be, but as far as it being something for your soul as a human being, it has so much more value than any uh, MP3 sale or um, anything like that. It's really about, um, uh, self-confidence and and purpose and understanding. See, like the thing about music that people don't understand is that it is math. Um, music is is frequencies. It is vibrations. It is science. It's all those things uh, just in a, in a song, in a, in a melody. And if we if we delete that, I mean, what kind of world will we live in where we don't feel our heart anymore, right? And we're disconnected from from that uh, experience as artists. Um, and then, and then the better question is after that, if you take away music, what's the next thing you're going to take away? And do you want to live in a world where that next thing is taken away? So that, so that's how I feel about that. Right on. And you know, the whole thing that there's a lot of different issues going on that music is definitely like, you know, always been one of the first programs to be cut. I, I know you're working on some, I, I, you, you've been posting out, uh, why don't you tell us a little about like what you, this new program you have going on and what you're doing over in uh, Williamsburg. Yeah, I saw that it was really interesting. Yeah, in Williamsburg, well, I, I opened up a business two years ago. It's a recording studio and a t-shirt print shop. I'm also a fashion designer. So it's a, it's a duality complex, which is my vision. It's almost like an Andy Warhol type of factory vibe is how I visioned it. But um, I started a docu-series. Um, some great friends that are in reality television started filming me over the last year. It's a show called Collective Vibes. You can check it out on YouTube. And I think why people have already, I mean, only one episode has been out, but why people have already gravitated towards it is because it's its authentic. And I think music is the most authentic thing that exists in our world. Uh, there's 12 notes. You can't front on that. You can't make a 13th note. There's there's nothing that you can create that has that doesn't already exist. So the only thing we can do is choose the colors and, and make our own picture for our lives. You know, our lives are in and out, man. You know, we're here and then we're gone. John Lennon, imagine all the people. Well, imagine the world without music, imagine a world without uh, recording studios and, and clothing and like, you know, individuality. And, and it's not a world I want to live in, you know? So, you know, uh, for what we're talking about, as far as taking away the music programs, I would just really say like, really think about that. You know what I mean? I'm not saying there's another program that you should take away instead of it. 
But I'm saying music is science. It is math. Math. It is all those things, and it's very important. It is. Yeah. So, and thank you so much. We're gonna also put a link uh, to uh, you know the, the collective vibes. Uh, what's what you're doing there i'll put that down in the show notes so thanks so much and it's great what you're doing you know why why is the feeling through music so important and how does feeling through music connect us to the truth well here to share a few ways to connect to that truth why we can't experience it collectively in a live setting is stephanie carlin stephanie how are you i'm great thanks peter and thanks dave i was really moved by what you said and uh, it really ties in with what I want to share about. You know, when I was a 13-year-old kid, I was saved by music. And I'm sure if you're listening today, you probably had the same kind of experience. I mean, there was nothing that made me feel freer than playing my acoustic guitar on my twin bed, trying to emulate Elliot Smith on my Fostex floor track. Do you remember those? And for a long time, the only way I had access to that feeling, that feeling of total freedom was by being on stage with my band, with my art. And of course I learned how to do that in middle school. And it's why I started my songwriting school almost a decade ago, because I so desperately want these kids to experience that satisfaction of being a creator. And at the end of every class, we turn off all the lights, everyone gets a mic, the teachers get on all the instruments and we just jam in the dark. And it was always something heavy and deep and epic because if they were gonna leave with anything, it was gonna be that they're connected to the universe through the law of sound. And of course they would, they'd walk out, their eyes would be glazed over, their heart would be open, and they'd be like, wow, that was cool. And over the last few years, as I ran the school, I really became interested in harnessing this energy. I became an energy expert using quantum healing to disappear physical ailments and all this stuff. Um, but like I now see that playing music is not the only way to touch that part of my soul to touch truths. It's just a really pure way. And like you were saying, Dave, we know enough about the aura, the energetic field of a human being to know that the connection we feel through the law of sound is scientific. Just like two atoms will bond together to form a molecule, two people can bond together through the same emotions and energy. And when you're in an amphitheater or a stadium or a nightclub, co-creating an energetic experience that is a concert or a show, you're all tapped into a frequency together. And the beauty of the law of sound is that it's about feeling truth. You just feel it in your blood and your bones. It's what has people give their lives to music because whatever that feeling is, is truth. It opens portals, it unites people, it heals people, it frees people, it takes your attention off your body, off your pain, and that's what truth feels like. And we just happen to get there through music. Um, so to not be able to access this is like a real crisis for some of us in this industry, because it's our church. And the thought of our children being denied this is an even deeper crisis. So it's not a matter of state funding, it's a matter of our children feeling truth and our children knowing who they are in this world. And I'd even go so far as to say being connected to truth is a race conversation. It's a class conversation because it's the energy we use to dream and connect us to something bigger. So what I ask of you is to not get sucked up into any group consciousness conversation that says, no, that's just the way it is. School funding just isn't gonna be there. Venues just gotta close. It's the way it is. What I ask is for you to adamantly reject that and actively speak out about it be a voice of change for it because where we focus our attention will be the clearing for our results. 
So that's what I wanted to talk about today, Peter. Right on. Thank you so much. It's, you know, the, it always goes back to like schools having, you know, it's like, where do they cut the budget first? And it's like, you know, extracurricular activities, creative, the creative like activities are the ones that are usually the arts are the ones that get creative, uh, get um, cut, unfortunately, for the first time. So, you know, it, it's something to keep in mind. And, you know, I thank you. It's, it's a wonderful outlook and perspective that you had there. So um, that's going to be it for today. You know, I'd like to thank everybody for tuning in and, you know, dealing with some of our technical issues that have been going on. Uh, if you want to continue the conversation, leave the comments below. Uh, if you find the, this interesting, hit that notification bell and you know, hit the subscribe button to be alerted about new shows. You can also find us at musicindustrycity.com and on your preferred podcast player. Thank you again to our hosts, Sam, Stephanie, and the Duke. Aisha will be back next week. Have a wonderful day and see you next time.